Well, hey, Northside family, so glad you made time this weekend to check in on one of our services. My name's Nate, one of the pastors here, and hopefully you've had a good Thanksgiving week. And uh, welcome to online church once again. Uh, Unfortunately, this was not our plan. This was not what we had in our plans and in our vision. We would normally be together. Uh, But unfortunately, this past week, uh, we had a number of our staff who were exposed to COVID-19. And due to protocols, they had to go into quarantine, which made gathering on the weekend on our campus unsafe uh, for not just you, but the rest of our staff and uh, friends and families who would be joining us this weekend. So appreciate your understanding and your patience. Cannot wait to regather in the middle of January uh, as a church family. And today we begin our Christmas series called Hindsight's 2020. And the reason why we came up, actually, is our creative team that came up with this title a number of months ago. They said, you know, everybody has these vision 2020 series at the beginning of 2020. Here's where we're going to go. But they said hindsight 2020 is what we really need to be thinking about because now the only way to process forward is to look back. And literally, this was the big idea that we came up with our series when we thought about Christmas and hindsight's 2020 is this. At Christmas, plans changed. Literally for the entire world at Christmas, plans changed. Today we're going to be looking at how plans changed for Mary. Next week we're going to be looking at how plans changed for Joseph. Then we're going to be looking at how the plans changed for the shepherds. And then there's a man named Simeon and Anna who were promised the opportunity to see the Savior of the world. But their plans were not going the way that they thought. And I don't know if there was just some crazy joke that God was trying to play on me this week or what was going on, but literally for us to have the idea this weekend that at Christmas, plans changed, and then literally within a day, all of our plans changed as a church. And uh, this is one object lesson that I can't wait for me to learn through and to grow through. But at Christmas, this is the, the hope that we have, that when our plans changed, God was changing them for the good. This is why Christ came into the world. And we know this year has been a year for us to process unlike any other. Uh, You know, we've heard of things we've never heard of this year. Words like murder hornets. What in the world are those? I even heard this stat. This was mind-blowing to me. That just during COVID-19, during the pandemic, we have seen across the world over 100 natural disasters take place. From fires to locusts eating all sorts of crops in Africa, earthquakes, floods, rain. It has been a year unlike any other. And as we can look back, a lot of us are going, God, I have all sorts of questions. I can't make sense of what's going on. And really what we're saying is, I have no hindsight right now. I can't see, I can't make sense of stuff. And what we know is this, at Christmas, Christmas is the only way for us to make sense of this year. Christmas is the only way that you and I can move forward, not to try to forget what 2020 is, but to begin to process and begin to see the work of God in and through our lives. This is what makes scripture so powerful. We didn't see this year coming. And what we find at Christmas is this, nobody saw Jesus coming either. Matter of fact, when we look at the story of Mary, if you wanted to change the world, you did not, first of all, go to the town of Galilee. That's not where you would want to start. That's not the epicenter. It's not a booming metropolis. That's not like New York City. And yet God went to Galilee and he went to Galilee and he worked through a Jewish teenage girl. And in the Roman Empire, 
That is not the way you change the world. Women at that time barely had any rights. You were more owned as property and you weren't valued. That's the way a lot of the world saw women. And yet God said, no, here's how I'm going to change the plans of the entire world. I'm going to go into Galilee, this little town outside of Jerusalem, and I'm going to work through this lady named Mary who believes in me, who has faith in me, who is a young Jewish girl. And this is the story of Christmas. In the midst of all sorts of frustration from the Jewish people, here's what was going on with them. All of the Israelites, all the Jewish people were being oppressed by the Roman nation. They were being taxed heavily and then the Romans were using the Jewish money to just throw extravagant parties that everybody could see and all the Jews know were this. They are stealing our money. They have stolen our land. I have no idea how to make sense of this. I have no hindsight. And that is where Christmas began. It's a pretty startling text in Luke chapter one where Mary doesn't see what God has planned for her. But it says this in verse 28 of Luke chapter one. It said, the angel went to her, Mary, and said, greetings, you who are highly favored, the Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And you will be with child and give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And his kingdom will never end. How will this be? Mary asked the angel, since I'm a virgin. See, when Mary got this news, it wasn't, okay, this makes sense, God, let's go to it. Let's get on with it. When she receives the news of Christmas that Christ was coming, the King, the Son of God, Jesus, it means the one who saves, the anointed one. When all of this good's coming, she's going, wait, 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 that's going to happen. How? She can't make sense of it. Plans are changed. She's going, I'm engaged to Joseph. This is going to be weird. I'm going to have a child. I'm a virgin. How is this going to work? And the angel says this, don't worry. The Holy Spirit is going to overshadow you. And the Savior is going to be born through you. And I love what it says in verse 37. The angel tells her, for nothing is impossible with God. Nothing's impossible with God. Mary simply responded this way. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May it be to me as you have said. Then the angel left her. Plans changed at Christmas. A girl who was engaged to be married was visited by an angel and now is incorporated into God's master plan of redeeming the entire world, that Jesus would come into the world. Literally, when you begin to unpack everything the angel said, he said, I'm doing all sorts of new things. When the savior comes, he is gonna be great. He's gonna be called the son of the most high. And the Lord will give him the throne of the father of David. Jesus is gonna rule and reign forever. His kingdom will have no end. His kingdom today has no end. At Christmas, all of the entire plans of the world changed. This is how you and I can make it through this season. That was the question that Mary had. How can this be? 
How can we navigate through this season? And this is what I love that we've got to soak on the words today is this. For nothing is impossible with God. Today, there's a lot of things that seem impossible. There's a lot of things that you and I are carrying right now. And it seems impossible. This is why you and I need Christmas. Because the savior of the world entered into our story. Matter of fact, when, when Mary says the words, I am the Lord's servant, may, to be, may it be to me as you have said, that was a bold, bold statement. What she's saying is this, okay, God, I'm gonna trust you even though I don't have all the perspective because that's what we say. When we say hindsight's twenty twenty, what we're saying is this, we have perspective. We now see what we should have done. We now understand everything. And in that moment, Mary didn't understand everything everything, all she knew was this, God was calling her to step into the plans that he has for her at Christmas. That's what Christmas is. It's an invitation for you and I to step into the plans that God has for us in Jesus, for us to begin to allow Jesus to do the impossible in our lives. In Jewish tradition at that time, in the Torah, what it it would talk about is this. If you had an affair, if you committed adultery, you were punishable by death. And yet when Mary says, okay, God, you're going to put this son inside of me and he's going to be the savior of the world. A lot of people may think I've had adultery on Joseph and that could cost me my life. All the plans could change, but God, I'm going to trust you. You're the God of the impossible. See, at Christmas, Jesus steps into the world and changes the plan. And what Jesus becomes is this. He doesn't just change our plans. Jesus becomes our plan. That's what Mary is saying in this moment. She's going, I don't know how all of this is going to work out. But God, I am your servant. And so may it be to me as you have said. May it be to me. As you have said, what a great word for us to focus on. Matter of fact, we're going to unpack that here in a little bit. What I want to do today is this. I want us to look at a passage of scripture that Mary responds with. It's called Mary's Song, or for some people would know it as the Magnificent. And uh, and really it's this this song of Mary that, that she says, hey, God, this is what's on my heart. It's reflective of Hannah's song from the Old Testament. And I want to be honest with this. I think sometimes, especially growing up, depending upon where you lived, you've either maybe not heard this passage because sometimes in Protestant churches, we talk too little of Mary. And here's the danger. If you talk too little about Mary, you miss God. And at the same time, if we're, if we're not careful, we can over-elevate Mary and talk too much about Mary and we'll miss Jesus. And so when we look at this passage today, we want to see how God changes the plans of Mary's life and does the impossible. Because today God is wanting to do the impossible in and through us as his church. When we look around the world and we go, there is no way forward. I've lost my hope. I've lost my direction. I've lost, I have no hindsight. Jesus says, when all the plans are changing at Christmas, I've become your plan. And I just want to walk through this passage. Listen how it opens up. It's called Mary's song. And it says this, Mary's response of what God was doing in her life was this. It said, and when Mary said, my soul glorifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God, my savior. For he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. 
From now on, all generations will call me blessed for the mighty one has done great things for me. God has done great things. He's he's changed my plans, but he's done great things for me. Holy is his name. Do you hear how much Mary is just magnifying God? That's why he says, my soul glorifies. It magnifies God. That's why he got the name. That Mary's going, my heart belongs to you, God. This seems impossible what you're doing. But with you, all things are possible. This is the hope we have at Christmas. That the longing and the desires of our heart are made possible and found in Jesus. And if you're taking notes, I want to encourage you to write this down. Why this is so important, this passage for us right here at Scripture, in Scripture, in this whole series of Hindsight's 2020 is this. Here's what we realize at Christmas when Jesus came into the world is this. When we feel like no one sees us, God sees us. But right now, it it is easier to feel isolated and lonely and unnoticed more than ever before. But when we feel like no one sees us, God sees us. Matter of fact, this was the name that God received and people qualified about him in Genesis chapter 16, verse 13. We have a God who sees us. We have a God who saw a faithful Jewish teenage girl in Galilee who said, God, I'm just going to be faithful to you. Nobody knows me. I'm not, you know, nobody talked all this big game about me. I'm just going to be faithful to you. Uh, In Genesis chapter 16, verse 13, uh, there's a lady named Hagar. And the story, if you know anything about this, she was kind of used and abused and, and left out and ignored. And then God paid attention to her. And listen what she told God. This is in Genesis chapter 16, verse 13. She gave this name to the Lord who spoke to her. You are the God who sees me. For she said, I have now seen the one who sees me. See, at Christmas, what we celebrate is this. We have a God who sees us. We spend so much time trying to be noticed, trying to get approval from people. And sometimes we never get it. Or if we do, it's never enough. And the only thing will satisfy our heart is what we find at Christmas is this, that we have a God who sees us. Matter of fact, when she says, you are the God who sees me, it's the name El Roy. Now, when I first saw it, I just thought it said Elroy, right? And we're going, oh, God's Elroy. Now, it's not Elroy. God is El Roy. And it means this, literally, he is the God who sees. See, at Christmas, this is why we celebrate Christmas. God sees us right where we are. And he comes after us. God sees us in our time of need. God sees us stuck in our addiction. God sees us in our fear. God sees us in our exhaustion. God sees us in our confusion. God sees us in our anger. He sees us in our hurt. And he takes notice. And he comes after us. He is the God who sees. See, when nobody else sees you or I, or even the decisions that we make that are faithful to God, he does. 
I was reminded a couple weeks ago after a service when we acknowledged first responders in our service just to say thank you and to say, hey, nobody else may see you, but we see you and we encourage you and we're praying for you, you first responders, ambulance, police, all sorts of people, doctors, nurses on the front line. And then I had a sweet lady come up after a service and she just reminded me of this. She said, hey, remember, I know we always celebrate the first responders, but she said this, remember to celebrate and pray for the last responders. I said, the last responders, what are you talking about? She said, those of us who work at the funeral home, who have to help families process the grief, especially in this time of COVID-19 when families can't be together. She said, you have no idea the stress that that puts on people and how much different hurt folks carry. And I said, you're right. I totally missed that. And I think it's a great opportunity for us as a church family, not just to pray for and remind and encourage those first responders, but when you see those last responders, and we've got a number of them here who work here at the church, who are faithful men and women of God. And for you parents who are having to do all sorts of e-learning and everything going on, just know this, God sees you. For those of you who are in isolation this week or in quarantine, God sees you. Because at the heart of Christmas, even if you're not a believer, here's what you and I know. Christmas is all about seeing each other, isn't it? It's the most generous time of the year. This is when we go out and everybody serves at soup kitchens and we love to help bless people and we love to help come alongside and we go, does somebody have a need? I wanna see that need. I wanna meet that need because at the heart of Christmas, God saw us in our need. He's the God who sees. He's not the God who's aloof and over there in another planet, in another dimension. He is the God who sees. I love something that our church is trying new this year because we haven't been able to take a normal mission trips and do a bunch of different scholarships to send people and to do all sorts of mission work locally and globally because things have been shut down. We have different mission money that's left over. And something that we're doing this year that I love, Jim Props and our small group team came up with this idea. But what they've come up with is this, that we have... Uh, it reached out to our life groups and we said, hey, listen, we want to give you some gift cards from our outreach budget. And here's what we want to do. We want to send you on mission to go see needs in your life and in the community and go meet the needs. And I've already talked to a couple of life group leaders and they go, you have no idea what this is doing to us as a group because now when we come together, it's not just to see each other, it's to go out and see the world. And our plans are changing. And people are being sent to go see. This is what we really desire at Christmas. To be seen, to be known, to be loved. And as Christians, especially the early Christians, they took this on and they embodied this. Matter of fact, during the Roman Empire later on in the fourth century, some of us, we asked, well, you know, where does this idea of Christmas trees come into play with Christmas and Jesus? You know, did they cut down a first Christmas tree when Jesus was born? Or, you know, what was all that? Here's how the Christmas tree came about. I didn't realize this till a little while ago. Christmas trees came about as a sign for Christmas because what Christians began to do is this. They took a pagan holiday, the Romans and different people would take pine trees and all this stuff and they would use the leaves as a sign of a reminder during winter, during the winter solstice that spring was coming. That even though things were dead right now, life was coming in the spring. 
And the Christians picked up on this and they said, well, then let's redeem that because here's what we know at Christmas. Christ entered and at Easter, the resurrection is here and things that are dead are coming alive because God sees us in our state. He sees us in our sinfulness and he's come after us at Christmas. Every plan changed at Christmas, but it changed for our good. Mary goes on to talk about this. She says this in verse 50 through 52. She says, his mercy extends to those who fear him. Talking about God. From generation to generation. God is about seeing every generation, about saving every generation. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. And he has brought down rulers from their thrones, but he has lifted up the humble. The incredible thing about this passage is this. God not only sees us, but this. When we feel like we have to save ourselves, right? When we feel like, man, I'm gonna be the only one without a toilet paper roll, right? You know, we're, we're going crazy. We gotta, we gotta run out. We gotta get everything. When we feel like it is only up to us to save ourselves, what we find is this. God not only sees us, but it's God who saves us at Christmas. See, God sees us in our need, And he saves us. He's the one who gives his mercy from generation to generation. He's the one who has performed mighty deeds from his powerful arm. He's the one. And when it says this, that he has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts and he's brought down rulers from their thrones, but he's lifted up the humble. What he's saying is this, because some people are going, well, when Jesus never went and cut off the head of Rome, you know, like everybody wanted him to, you know, when did he take down rulers? You know what rulers he took down? us because we love to rule our hearts and when Christ came it humbles us I don't know about you but every time I encounter time and time again my need for grace it humbles me because it reminds me Nate you can't save yourself Nate your effort can't save you your perfection can't save you. Your dreams can't save you. Nate, only Christ can save you. This is why Proverbs 3 verse 34 says it this way. God opposes the proud, but he lifts up the humble. See, when you and I become humble before our God, he lifts us up. When you and I begin to say, I'm the Lord's servant, May it be as you said. What he does is this. He lifts us up. He goes, now I can work in incredible ways. See, God takes down the proud by raising up Jesus. He doesn't come in with this blunt force trauma. He comes in as a suffering servant. He comes in sending his son to take away the sins of the world. This is the way God works. See, this is why you and I will never get over Christmas. I know some of you, you're already sick of Christmas music. If you're like me, we put up our tree. I think it was like November 4th, right? Here's the deal. I'm not sick of Christmas, man. I love it. I think I saw the forecast that uh, it was either next Tuesday coming up or something. There's already calling for like an inch of snow. And I'm going, I'm ready, man. Let's go. But you know what? Around February I'm cool if the snow never comes back, right? We're like, we're done. Ornaments are down. Let's move on. But here's the thing about Christmas. We, you and I, we will never get over 
our need to be saved. We'll never get over it. See, when Christmas came, it wasn't just a seasonal thing. Christmas was this unbelievable work of God who he sees us and now he saves us and he begins to work in us. And here's what we'll find as we continue to follow Jesus. This is what I'm finding. You and I will always run into our limits. We hate limits, don't we? Right? We don't really like speed limits. We want to drive as fast as we want, right? We don't like limits on our data. We want to have unlimited data. Right? We don't, you know, for some of you, you don't even like that we have to watch what, like this. Why can't the service be on demand, right? You know, I, I want to watch it at 7 a.m. Why isn't the service starting? You know, we, why do we have to have service times this, that? We just want it whenever we want, right? Have it, kind of the Burger King. Have it your way right away. Because we don't like limits. But here's the deal. You and I, we're all limited. Whether you know it or not, We're limited. And I think deep down, that's part of the problem that we're facing this year is that we're having to face our limits. We can't buy our way out of this. We can't solve our way out of this. My goodness, this is not what we had planned. Talking to an empty room again to a camera. Limits. In the midst of our limits, we find a savior who's come to rescue us who sees us and he saves us. Mary goes on to say this. He has filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. What she's saying here is this. Your money can't save you. Money can't save you. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, even as he said to our fathers. What Mary knew was this, as I'm experiencing this God who sees me, I'm overwhelmed. Not only does he see me, this God saves me. And when we feel like it's not gonna end well, what she knows is this, it's gonna be God who sustains me. No money's gonna sustain me because he is my help. He has been the servant to Israel. He has remembered us in his mercy to Abraham, to his descendants forever, and even to our fathers. God has always been our sustainer. That's what the whole story of scripture is. All the way from the very beginning with Adam and Eve, God was the sustainer when things were good. When things went bad, God was the sustainer. Over and over again, Noah, Abraham, Moses going, God is saying, I will be your God. You be my people. And at Christmas, he changed the game forever. He said, I'm the God who sees you. I'm the God who saves you. And I'll be the God who sustains you. We've asked this question so many times, I think we're probably done asking it. How are we gonna make it through this year? How are we gonna make it through next year? How are we gonna make it through online? How are we gonna make it through this? I I found this passage in Romans chapter eight when Paul faced some really hard places in his own life. When he was faced for being put in prison for being a Christian. When he was going through hardship. 
when he was literally beaten and left for dead outside the city for speaking the name of Jesus, when his ship fell apart, when he was a prisoner and they were shipwrecked. Listen what he says in Romans chapter eight, verse 35. How are you and I gonna make it through 2020 and 2021? Here's the answer. Listen what he says in verse 35. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Who's gonna do that? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? That kind of covers it, doesn't it? You ain't got any clothes. You ain't got any of this. How are you going to make it? Who's going to separate us? As it is written, as it is written, for your sake, we face death all day long. And we are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Paul's going, you know how we're going to make it through? Through him who loves us. Through him who sustains us. Through him who saves us. Through him who sees us. For I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor demons, neither the present, nor the future, nor any powers, neither height, nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation, no natural disaster, hundred, a thousand, nothing will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. The plans that God changed at Christmas, changed our plans forever. We have a God who's with us now. We have a God who walks with us. We have a God who can never be separated from us. His love is unending. His love is overwhelming. But here's the deal, you and I, we have a choice to make this Christmas. We have a choice to make this month. Mary had a choice. Just think for a moment. If at the end of the, at the, end of the talk, the angel, his name's gonna be Jesus, son of the most high. His father's gonna give him the throne. His kingdom's gonna reign forever. And she goes, nah, I'm good. Imagine what it'd been like to miss out on that. If you see the arc of Mary's life, what's incredible is this. She got to be visited by the angel, give birth to Jesus, raise him, see his ministry, watch him die, be resurrected. And then in Acts chapter one, verse 14, it said this, that she was part of the early church who was praying for the Holy Spirit. And when the Holy Spirit came, she got to experience that and the church be birthed. You talk about some hindsight is 2020. I guarantee you through her whole life, she was going this, Lord, I am so glad I said yes. God, I'm so glad I said yes. I didn't understand everything. You didn't lay everything out. But you did come to change my life in the world. We got a choice to make this year. We know what's going on in our world. The question for you and I is this. Do we know the plans that God has come to change in the world? The plan to come give us a savior who sees us, 
has come to save us and sustain us. For us, here's the thing. I want to encourage you to write this down. This Christmas season, what I believe God is asking you and I to do is this. Remember whose we are at Christmas. Just simply that. If we want to get perspective this Christmas, if we want some hindsight this Christmas, remember whose we are at Christmas. That's what Mary did. She said, whoa, 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 man, this is, this is crazy. But I am the Lord's. You hear that? She knew who, she's, who she was. I'm the Lord's. And not only that, she said, I'm the Lord's servant. May it be as you say. This year, I believe God is calling us to know him in a deeper way than ever before. Matter of fact, here in a moment, I'm going to pray for us, but here's what I'm going to invite us to do. I want you, after I pray here in a second, to spend some time right in your room, in your living room. If you're there with your spouse, maybe you're by yourself, maybe you're watching this uh, while you're driving. Hopefully you're not watching the screen, right? This may be during the week or whatever. But here's what I want to do. Here in a moment after I pray, I want you to spend time, discuss this, and answer these questions together. I'm going to put these up on the screen right now. Uh, But I want us to begin to process this a little bit this year. The, The first one is this. For us to get some hindsight in 2020, let's just ask this question of ourselves. What plans have changed the most for you in 2020? And how are you dealing with it? I mean, seriously, be honest for a minute. Plans changed for Mary. And what plans have changed for you? I mean, my goodness, <laughs> here we are again. Empty auditorium. Plans have changed. What plans have changed for you? And be honest with the Lord. How are you dealing with it? He wants to know. He's the God who sees you. Second question is this. Who do you need Jesus to be the most for you right now? We can't get perspective. We're lost. We're overwhelmed. We don't know how to get through this month. Who do you need Jesus to be the most for you right now? Do you just need to say, Jesus, I just, I just help me to know that you see me, that you're the God who sees, or to go, you're the God who saves. I've been trying this whole year to save myself, to bail myself out of this. And you're going, I am exhausted from saving myself. Let Jesus save you this season. Or maybe you have and you're going, okay, Jesus, I need you to sustain me. I need you and only you to get me through this season. And then here's the prayer I want you to pray. Lord, I'm your servant. May it be to me as you have said simply that. We're going to put those back up on the screen here in a moment. But Northside, I believe the Lord is calling you and I to get some different perspective as we finish the year. Everybody wants us to see their perspective. But the only perspective that matters is the Lord's. And I want to pray for us right now and I want to encourage you to take time to process that and to get God's vision Because in Jesus, he changed everything.
Let's pray together. Father, thank you. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you, God, that all through history, you've never left us. That God, right now, you haven't left us. That Lord, even though we can't see it all working out and we don't know how you're gonna work, that God, you are the God who's with us. So today, Lord, I pray for the hearts that are overwhelmed. I pray for the hearts that are burdened with weariness and loneliness. And Holy Spirit, I ask God that truly in this season, we may experience you in the way that you long for us to experience you. Father, would you hold families together this season? Would you comfort those who are hurting? And Jesus, would you help us to see you in ways that we've never seen before? God, we love you. We thank you for this season and we thank you for Jesus. And it's in his name that we pray, amen. Take some time and go over these questions and allow the Lord to do a great work in you today.